You know, our mission here at Grace Spring Bible Church is helping people take a step closer to Jesus. And many times people have a hard time taking that step because many times they have some emotional barriers. This is what Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the series, is all about. Because I think too many times the church has just thrown out pithy statements like let go and let God and just give it to Jesus and everything's going to be great. Today, there's some hard work that the Holy Spirit really wants to do. And this series really has been an invitation for you to really get in and do the hard work under the, you know, we said that the iceberg, um, 10% of it is above the waterline, and a lot of us live for what everybody else can see, when 90% is underneath the waterline, and uh, that's what causes some tragedies, right? Ships can run into that, so much that is under the waterline, and I believe the, the Lord God who created you and made you, He wants an intimate relationship with you, because because that truly is what life is, a relationship with the Holy God. Jesus Christ gave his life so that you could have and experience that um, relationship, that eternal life that just doesn't start when we pass on from this world, but it starts when we say, I do to Jesus Christ. And so with that, um, all of us have parts in our story. In fact, as we read chapter three this week of the book, Emotionally, Spirit, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, in chapter three, it talks about going back to our, our family of origin and that all of us have parts in our story we wish we could erase. Is that true for any of you? You wish they were like, man, I, I wish I didn't get this prognosis. I, I wish my child didn't do this. I, I wish, you know, we, we have a wish list a mile long. And sometimes we hold that bitterness. God, if you're a loving God, why'd you let that happen? So again, for those of you who are newer here, you haven't heard a little bit of my story, but um, this is uh, a, 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 my, my family of origin picture right here. Um, wasn't it cute? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, what's very difficult right now for me this week is that this Friday here at Grace Spring, 11 o'clock, I'm doing the memorial service for my mom. And so, uh, but you could see a very beautiful woman. But I tell you, for six years of my life, for those of you who did not know, for six years of my life, I did not live with my parents. And one of the reasons I did not live with my parents is because my mom had some emotional challenges and I had to be taken out of the family. And, and I was fostered by some relatives who eventually adopted me. And, and for the first six years of my life, um, I was the youngest of five. And my older siblings invited me to everything, took me to everything. Uh, the, the closest age to me was seven year difference. So my siblings were all older and teens. And so I got invited to the beach with their friends, overnighters at the beach, uh, lots of freedom, lots of activity, lots of all of that. And then at the age of six, my parents adopted me and went through the legal process of adopting me back into their family. And so this uh, picture was taken not too long after after that. And my life had just been turned upside down. Now I'm an only child. Now I'm in a, a family that um, loved my parents. My parents married for 60 years, loved each other very well. So I don't want any of this to be a slam on mom and dad. But I do want to just share that some of the hard, hard stuff that I went through 
just having a mom that really could struggle emotionally. And so because of that, my dad had a coping mechanism, and that is if there was any conflict, you just got to dismiss the conflict. Just, we, we, we can't deal with conflict. Let's just enjoy. Hey, this is happy time. Let's have happy time. Let's, let's, let's take advantage of that. And some of my story might be your story. I'm just trying to be vulnerable here and just share a little bit about mine. And so when those happen at those formative years, those young years, that kind of stuff can hold on to you. In fact, uh, it wasn't, unfortunately, until a few years ago where there was just too many triggers going on in my life, one of those triggers being silence. Now, again, emotionally healthy spirituality, the beauty of the journey and the challenge of the journey is encouraging silence and solitude between you and the Lord. Well, in my household growing up, whenever there was silence in the house, there was tension in the house. And silence was a bad thing. And I remember three years ago, I was taking a nap here at our house, and, and uh, it was quiet, and I heard a mower in the background. Somebody was, uh, you know, chopping up some wood, all that kind of stuff. It was silent, and all of a sudden, I went back to my childhood, and I freaked out a little bit. And I said, Tammy, um, I, I got to get counseling. I, I don't like these triggers. Um, and so that was my story. And, and then... If you don't deal with those things, then it can really rob you of different aspects of your relationships, you know, even leadership. You know, when you're trying to lead a church, you know, there's going to be conflict, right? Well, I I tend to be the one where, hey, well, you know, let's look on the bright side of things and all that. When really the Holy Spirit of God wants you, hey, work through the conflict. There's, you can work through the conflict. And that can happen when there's this, this trust there. And so I, I just admit to you, I'm still on this journey. But again, all of us have families of origin and all of us have parts in our story. We wish we were a little bit different. And I praise God that before doing my mom's funeral this coming Friday, that God gave me this text here that is the the text he so sovereignly chose for me to preach the Sunday before this that really has prepared my heart to stop focusing on those things I wish were different and erased and those things to say, hey, I kind of like who I've become and God formed me through the past trials to have a sense of resilience. Some people, friends just say, man, how are you so resilient? So resilient because my life turned upside down at the age of six and everything was different after that. Again, I, I say these things out of respect because I love my parents. It's just there was a lot of hard stuff. And praise be to God, I'm here with you today. And God prepared me for this time and pastoring at this place through all the past that he's brought me through. Amen? Amen. But it's not only true for me, it's true for you as well. Some terminology, though, I think that's really helpful that I, I really want to make sure we, we have today is because, you know, some people have resolved, I'm just always going to be this way. My dad was like this. My mom was like this. This was the environment I was in. I'm just always going to be like this. And, and sometimes we can look at certain emotions and, and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm just addicted to be mean. I'm addicted to be rude. I'm addicted to be, you know, whatever, you know, pick your poison or whatever. But I just want to say that a stronghold, um, I like that terminology that scripture uses. Uh, you know, it's, it's something spiritual behind the scenes that is cooperating with something visible on the scenes that keeps one trapped in the situation they are in. 
that I think there are some strongholds we can do battle with. I know for me, performance in my household, my parents were raised uh, Midwest Southern Baptists. And so the, you know, the, the challenge of that honestly growing up was that my faith was defined by what I did and did not do, not for the relationship with Jesus that I had. So when people say, hey, how you doing your walk with the Lord? Hey, not drinking alcohol, not cussing, not smoking. Man, I'm doing good. Seriously. I mean, that really was my story. It was just performance, performance. I learned how to perform. I learned how to address the top 10% of the, uh, above the waterline, and I, I did it well. I'm just telling you. But in the meantime, there could be the stronghold of performance. I got to perform. If I don't perform, I'm going to feel like a failure. I'm going to hear my mom and dad's voice going, man, you couldn't do it. You're not good enough. Man, I don't believe in you. You, you know, and it's just like, what is that? No, I got to have the Holy Spirit's voice be louder than those voices. So strongholds, though, isn't, you know, there, it is a spiritual endeavor. It's just not you. It's, it's spiritual. Um, there are other components, and and again, those triggers can be from stru- from traumatic events. Like a, a trauma is an earthquake event that has lasting effect on your mental or emotional health. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who is trying to lead a business, and I, I have this conversation routinely that said COVID has so messed things up that it, it's like, yes, there were already emotional challenges before, but COVID just triggered everything. And all of a sudden, it's like people just do not have the respect or the civil decency they once did. Um, it just, a, a lot of that is tied to um, the lack of emotional health and from traumatic events. Uh, Next, emotional strongholds. These are actions or attitudes that hold one hostage from living in the fullness of the will of God. Galatians 5.1 says, it's for freedom that Christ sets you free. And I think God really wants to set you free from some of these emotional ensnarements that you get tangled and, and caught up in. And I think this is why we can learn a valuable lesson from this guy by the name of Joseph. Because what is interesting about Joseph is that his story occupies one quarter of the book of Genesis. Now think about that. I think it was like 10 words for God to create everything. And it's going to take something like 13 chapters, 13 chapters for the life of Joseph. And there's something significant about that. When you spend that much time on something, it's like the Holy Spirit has something to say to us. And one of the things I think he wants to say to us is this. He wants us to get to know a very dysfunctional family. I mean, I'm telling you, Joseph's family, high on the dysfunction scale, like nobody's business. You think you have it bad. I thought at times there's situations I had it bad. But I tell you, Joseph, I mean, think about this. First of all, his father favored him. Now, parents, is it good to have favorites? No, it's not good to have favorites. Uh, It set him up. I mean, you know, Jacob, his dad, gets him a coat, and that coat gives him certain privileges. That coat was kind of like a credit card. Hey, you can cash this in. This is a place of authority and all this. And, and uh, so his father favored him. His brothers hated him, okay? 
Um, the Midianites sold him. Potiphar jailed him. His sailmates forgot about him. Is that a good life? I mean, it, it's just like, uh, maybe one of these is bad. Betrayed by your own family members. I mean, trafficked by your own family members. But then on top of this, on top of this, this is where the story gets so amazing. On top of this, you've got Joseph and part of his story is being wrongly imprisoned. Wrongly imprisoned for doing the right thing. Any of you that happened? Wrongly imprisoned? I mean, I tell you, over a decade of Joseph's life was in prison. And you know what's so amazing about this? So amazing is the but God was with him. God was with him. We just sung a song, In the Fires, God is with us. In fact, that's what I, I love. You know, you, you look back through the story and, and you have, you know, in Genesis 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. I mean, that is comforting, isn't this? This is so comforting to hear that even in the worst of it, God is with us. So, when it comes to emotional strongholds, you know, there is so much opportunity that Joseph had to really harbor a whole bunch of bitterness. But here's three categories of emotional strongholds. One is the pain of the past. And that's really what the sermon is about. Uh, other categories of emotional strongholds are the problems of the present. A lot of people are just, man, my, I, I'm emotionally a mess right now. Don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. Man, everything's so expensive now. Wow. Um, the problem of the, of the present, but also the fear of the future. These are really kind of the three um, uh, sources, really, for emotional strongholds to weigh us down. And again, my encouragement for us all that invite the Lord into um, this, this idea of emotionally healthy spirituality and today is going back to go forward. Um, three steps. Really, I, I, you know, it's so much easier said than done. I get that, okay? I, I can't say follow these th- three steps and you're going to have emotional freedom like crazy and it's all going to be good. I would encourage you, some of you need counseling. Um, I know the tragedy about my generation is that that's, that's like, ooh, don't tell anybody you, you need help. Hey, I'd say Christianity is by its very fundamental nature a declaration that I need help, I need God, right? Um, but when it comes to emotional strongholds that some of us just, we feel like there's just patterns in our life that are not in alignment with the word of God and we rationalize because of the pain of our past and God's word says, okay, I'm going to give you a big story in scripture that's going to take away your justification for saying, I can't do that because my past was too painful. So here we go. Step number one, you got to trust that God is guiding your life. You just got to trust that God is guiding your life. There's so many different things 
that I could bring up that I'm just like, man, this, I, I hated this about my life. I hated this about my life. I hated this about my life. But I can tell you in all honesty right now, I love my life. I love being your pastor. I love being here. But God has used this journey to reveal some things that he wants to continue to do in my heart. And as I had a seminary professor say, and he was in his 90s when he said it, he said, we will continue to be learning to the day we die. Because the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of God is hard, it's tough, but it's right. It's right, and it brings freedom, and he wants us. But you know, this story of Joseph, I mean, this is the, the, the providential guidance of God. I'll tell you, I, what breaks my heart today is how many pastors are throwing in the towel and saying, can't be a pastor anymore. People are way too opinionated. Their preferences are taking priorities. Um, it, it just seems like this is just too tough. And then you try to lead a church staff and everyone's got opinions and different people are wired differently and all that. They say, I'm just throwing in the towel. It's just way too tough. And I find it's very difficult at times to be a lead pastor in the church when you have to be good with God leading and God guiding. And part of God's leading, God's guiding, for some reason, people think that once one person is on the church staff, they're supposed to be there forever. And it's like... I, where is that? I've, I've just never seen that. But it's almost like, well, we have the pain of our past. See, we got also bring in at this church, man, there's, there's family history at this church too. And sometimes I can get frustrated because I run into pain of the past sometimes just because it's like, yeah, but because of that pain, then we need to always forever function this way. And it's like, hey, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed is the name of the Lord. And, and that's just... That's just a fact. I can't do anything about it. Sometimes when someone says, hey, I feel God's leading, it's like, praise God. I'm so glad. God, man, you are so in tune with the Lord. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. May not like it, but I trust you. But then somebody leaves and it's like, oh, man, now there's a story. It's like there is no story. And I'm not prepping this that anyone's leaving, okay? I'm just saying what happens is then when people do leave, especially if they've been on the staff, it's almost like I like to be on the inside. Now I'm no longer on the inside. I feel like I'm an outsider. I don't know all the inside. And so then people start saying, it's easier to go to another church. And I go, if that's what you have to do to continue to nurture your relationship with the Lord, great. But people love to make stories about stuff. And then you as a pastor go to different events and then you see people that used to attend here, but now you represent the evil one because I did something to tick you off. And so now it's like, I can't talk to you. And it's like, who does that? You are doubting the providential direction of the work of God, right? I'm not frustrated when I'm saying this. I'm just trying to invite you into what is making things so difficult is that we then then continue to tell our stories. Well, I was wronged at this place and I was wronged at this place. I go, have you ever thought it was possible that God was just moving you on? You didn't like it. That's okay. Joseph didn't like any of those things. Eh? Joseph, would you like to be betrayed by your family and sold into slavery? Yeah. Heck yeah. That's going to make a better me. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, would you like to serve 13, at least 13 years in prison for doing something right? Yeah, sign me up, man. That is going to make me so look like Jesus. No, come on. 
we got to trust that God is doing a work. Two, we've got to grieve your losses. Look at uh, verse 17. Verse 17. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Here's what was happening to the brothers. The brothers thought they were safe as long as their dad was alive, but when their dad passed away, they're like, "Uh uh-oh, okay, if we were Joseph, we would retaliate because that's the natural thing to do. So therefore, they're trying to create stories. They're trying to do all this kind of stuff because they think Joseph would do what they would do. (laughs) And that's what guilt does to us, doesn't it? It's like, man, we, we, we have this guilty conscience and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, now what we would do, we're going to project onto Joseph. <laughs> and does Joseph do that? No, Joseph weeps. In fact, a couple of chapters prior, when Joseph realized that these were, her, these were his brothers, he wept so loud that people heard him wailing. I mean... So here's the second thing, grieve your losses. Man, there's things to cry about in your family of origin life. Man, you, I, I'm not saying that you've got to spin everything that was bad and say, hey, well, God's going to work it all for good. And so therefore, uh, no, it's okay to grieve your losses. It's okay to grieve those things, those traumatic events. Feel free to grieve those. It's healthy to grieve those things. In fact, God created our emotions to be like a smoke detector. Now, you can either get used to the beeping of a smoke detector and say, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore that. You could take a sledgehammer to the uh, smoke detector and say, man, that noise is driving me crazy. But what is the purpose of the smoke detector? To say there's a fire. Don't address the smoke. Don't address the noise. Address the fire. Some of us need to be crying. Just need to be weeping. And, and again, crying and weeping a little bit different. You know, cry is when I stub my toe. All right? I cry. Ouch. Uh, weeping is when something is so deep in the heart that it's just like, man, I, I just... Lord, I I can't believe I'm in this situation. You have put me here second in charge of all of Egypt. Here's my brothers. And everything maybe in me could be to retaliate. However, that is not how you work. I have seen how, Lord, you've worked all those things to put me and give me the tenacity, the grit, everything that I need to be second in command in Egypt. I mean... Isn't God's ways so much different than ours? So much different. It's okay to grieve your losses. But third is this. And this is really the climax of the story. Look at verse 20, 21. Joseph is addressing his brothers. After he says, do not fear. He says, this for you, you meant evil against me, but God. You meant this. You thought this was going to take me down, but God. But God meant it for good. Why? To bring it about 
that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So again, for the second time, he will say, do not fear. I will provide you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Not retaliatory to them, not hateful to them, not embittered to them. He spoke kindly to them. Isn't that amazing? Does that remind you of anybody else in Scripture? Starts with J and rhymes with Jesus. <laughs> On the cross, betrayed, wrongly accused. I tell you, when, when you think about this, you think, wow, this is Jesus himself. Joseph's story is a precursor to Jesus' story. You see, what I love in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, who had a lot of hard stuff happen to him. Man, he's called to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to help people take a step closer to Jesus, and he's imprisoned a lot. And I'm sure he's confused. Lord, why? But in the meantime, I'm going to make the most of this. I'm going to write letters from prison, many of which we are reading in our Holy Scriptures today. But this is a truth you can bank on, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. That all things work together, all things work together for good. Do you know that table salt is comprised of two separate ingredients that individually could kill you? Sodium by itself or chlorine by itself, but you put those things two together and you get table salt. What? Two things that are so deadly. Yeah, you put them together. You see, all things, that, that's, that's really in the, uh, in the Greek, that word for all things really is, hey, these work in agreement with each other, the bad as well as the good, all working together to make you a little bit salty. You know, we're going to uh, prepare our hearts now for a time of communion. I would encourage you, read chapter three of your book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, work through your growth guide, do the hard work, do the 10 commandments of your family of origin. I did that and it was like, oh my goodness, wow. We gotta understand there's no such thing as a perfect family. No such thing as a perfect family. But there is such thing as a God who works even through imperfect families to direct and lead and guide. And so I'm gonna close in a time of prayer before I invite uh, Craig Darling out uh, and the worship team out to uh, lead us in a time of communion. But uh, especially for those of you who may have kept the Lord at a distance because maybe there's some emotional strongholds that you just keep being tripped up by. Um, can I just invite you and challenge you? Your step closer to Jesus might be even entering into the family of faith. See, I was adopted and readopted. I've had two adoptions in my story. Actually, three, because I've been adopted by 
the Son of God. And that's the one that really counts. But I want to invite, and I never want to uh, be weak on inviting anybody who is listening to this right now to give your life to the Lord if you haven't already. It's that simple. Hard and great and freeing. And if that's your desire, can you just, uh, can I just have everyone bow? And, uh, and for some of us, we might need to repeat these very words in our own soul. But can you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your healing love. I ask that you come be my Lord and healer. Please heal my hurts. Please be the father I've always longed for. Forgive my hardness of heart and, and feeling because of my past or even my present, you aren't worth it. Teach me, Lord, to walk in the power of your grace. I give control to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was your prayer today, again, I would ask, could you uh, fill out the card? I gave my life to the Lord and would love to follow up with you. And we might even love to dip you in some water here in a couple of weeks. Amen. Love you guys, but Craig.